Hello, and welcome in to another episode of the Fantasy Football Pod, coming at you with part one of our week one preview. Cody, T-minus two hours until kickoff your Kansas City Chiefs about to start the year 0-1 without Travis Kelsey against the Detroit Lions. How you feeling right now, Bob? Oh, man, I just I cannot wait for the pro-Kansas City contingency to just start hopping on this podcast so I can get some support. But, uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm excited for it. We were talking a little happen. bit beforehand. If there's a week that Kelsey has to miss, glad it is week one of the regular season and not week one of the postseason. So it'll definitely be interesting to see what the offense looks like without him. Obviously don't love it, but I don't necessarily hate it as well. Um, and then obviously, I mean, the biggest, I think, question mark is going to be how bad does the defense look without Chris Jones? So, you know, if they look terrible and the offense struggles, I think it's going to be a real quick contract gets signed and whatever has to be done with that knee gets fixed pretty quickly. But regardless, even if the Chiefs stumble a little bit tonight, I'm just so happy to be watching professional football back on my TV. So it'll it'll all work itself out in the long run. I'm happy about it. I know you're very high on the Lions, so I know you've got to be pretty excited for the game tonight even though your uh, least favorite team probably is a part of it. Yeah, should be should be a really good game. Obviously, like you said, like the Lions, uh, if you're listening to this, this game has already happened. So hopefully it was a high-scoring affair with plenty of fantasy points flying like we expect. Uh, I've got a lot, of, a lot of action tonight, so hopefully that is the case. But today on our uh, first part of our week one preview, we're going to be doing things a little bit differently this year. So I just wanted to lay that out for you guys. Uh, we're going to do AFC home games in one segment and then NFC home games on part two. We'll probably continue that all year long. Uh, if we change it up, we'll let you know. But this is just going to make things a little more digestible. As always, the time codes for each game will be in the episode description. So if you have, uh, you know, if you don't have a lot of time, you just want to hear about a specific player or two, go ahead and jump right to those games. Uh, and as always, we will work through the away team, quarterback, running back, wide receiver, tight end, then the home team, quarterback, running back, wide receiver, tight end. Should be real easy to find any uh, specific player that you want to hear, uh, you know, start sit questions about. But before we jump into the game previews, I have a few injury updates to share with y'all. So, Cody, you want to hit that drop for me? I will hit the drop in just a second. Also want to plug in there. The Facebook page is back up and running. So if you followed the Facebook page last year, make sure to go follow it again. It'll also be just a lot more active in general with different memes, different graphics, just I'll probably honestly live Facebook comment the game and just throw some random stuff up there. So, and also the same thing with the Twitter nice. page. So make sure to go take a look at both of those two things. Obviously the Instagram as well, but uh, Nick, Have let's you go heard ahead the news? Let's jump into it. Here we go. Time for Nick's news and notes from around the NFL. Alrighty, guys. So I'm just going to fly through these here real quick. Uh, we will obviously go over most of this again when we preview each one of these games. Uh, so again, if you have a specific player you're not sure about, we will talk about him eventually if there is a question whether or not he's going to play. But these are the main fantasy relevant injuries that I came across today. Uh, DJ Chark and Adam Thielen, Carolina Panthers wide receivers, uh, both uh Limited in practice. Chark actually not practicing at all. I would not expect him to go. Thielen, if you are in a deeper league and you have him in your flex, just keep an eye on it. He is uh, looks like about 50-50 to play this Sunday, so just uh, keep your eyes on it if you have Thielen in your lineup. 
Jackson Smith and Jigba will play in week one. Surprisingly, came back well from that wrist surgery, apparently. So he is good to go. If you made the draft investment on him, it worked out for you. Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs are both questionable for this Sunday. Uh, Dobbs actually got back to practice today. He was limited. Watson did not practice on Thursday. That hamstring injury popped up on Wednesday. When you when that usually happens, it's not a good sign for their Sunday availability. I think if you're a Watson manager, you'd hope the Packers just hold him out. Uh, again, we will get to that when we get to the game preview, but I think you're looking for other options. You have Christian Watson in your lineup. Devon Aching, he practiced in full. He's good to go. He will play this Sunday. Uh, I think that's more of a wait-and-see type of thing, but uh, if you have him on your bench, you're going to be able to get a look at him and see uh, how much the Dolphins involve him. Teron Armstead missing practice. He's the left tackle for the Dolphins. That one's pretty important for their passing game. Uh, I don't think it's going to change any lineup decisions necessarily for you, but something to keep an eye on season long. Uh, you know, if the trends hold from last year, it makes a pretty big difference for that passing offense especially. So something to keep an eye on there. Jerry Judy has not been ruled out yet, which is surprising. We definitely did not expect him to be back by week one. I would uh, still guess he's not out there, and I would not be – Terribly comfortable putting him out there with the degree of hamstring injury he had, but good to see him back at practice even in a limited fashion. Looks like he could be ready to go sooner rather than later. George Kittle is back at practice after missing on Wednesday. I'd still put his odds at 50-50. This is his first practice since he had that groin injury a couple weeks ago. Uh, so I would make other plans, but if he's in your lineup, you're most likely playing him at the tight end spot. Marquise Brown, this is a new one today. He's limited as well with a hamstring injury. Uh, never good to see this pop up on a Thursday. At least he was at practice to some degree, but uh, with the combination of Josh Dobbs starting and uh, this injury to Marquise Brown, I would probably be looking for other options. We will get to that game on uh, part two because that is an NFC home game, so uh, keep an eye out for the Marquise Brown update. Terry McLaurin upgraded to full on practice on Thursday, so he will be good to go. Surprisingly, we did not expect him back week one, but looks like he is uh, at least uh, you know healthy enough to play this Sunday from that toe injury he sustained a couple weeks ago. So Terry McLaurin and Jahan Dotson will be healthy and ready to go for uh, for that one. Again, that is going to be the same game we get to with that Arizona update. We'll uh, we'll talk about that in part two. Zach Moss, Colts running back, back at practice. Still not expected to play, but good to see. I think I would. Uh, I think he has a pretty good shot of playing week two. So if you listen to our Thursday night football preview, I mentioned him on the beat the waiver wire segment. I think you can feel even more confident about him being back uh, after missing a game here from that broken arm early on in the process of the preseason. Cody, did you see any other injury updates that I missed there? Nope. I think you nailed all of the main injury updates. I do think that we will almost have to make a new segment just for hamstring injuries because it yeah. seems like every other injury you listed off was a hamstring. So uh, I do want to yeah. let people know, because I did some research while you were going through that, in in common people, like I put Nick and I in that category, in, in hamstring re-injury happens 16% of the time on normal day-to-day -day life. So like you hurt your hamstring at the gym, there's a chance you're going to re-hurt it again within that next week, just walking around or doing something like that. These are professional athletes running into each other for a living. Those hamstrings are most likely going to, if they don't get re-injured, they're going to get re-aggravated at some point or another. So those are all, just all these names that we list hamstring injuries with, just a somewhat of a red flag should go up next to their name, um, at least until we hear that they are completely cleared of that injury. So just wanted to throw that little point in, but... 
honestly, Nick, when you were going through all the names, it just got me more excited for football tonight. So let's let's go ahead and jump into uh, our AFC home games. I think you are leading it all for us here, so I will let you go. Let's do it, Cody. First game on the docket here, we have the Cincinnati Bengals traveling to Cleveland to play the Cleveland Browns. Cincinnati favored by two and a half points on the road over under a juicy 47 and a half here. My stat of the game, Joe Burrow's 1-4 record versus the Browns is his worst record versus any divisional opponent. He's 3-2 and two versus both the Ravens and the Steelers. The Bengals lead the all-time series between these two teams, 52-47, to 47. Cody. Let's start on the Cincinnati side because, uh, well, we will always start with the away team, but also because Cincinnati is really easy from a fantasy perspective. Joe Burrow's good to go. He is... Uh, Practicing in full, finally, from that calf injury that happened uh, about a month ago at this point. So no worries there. He's in your lineup. Joe Mixon, uh, he is also in your lineup. If you drafted him in the third round, there's no way uh, at this point in the year that you have any better options, I would imagine. Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, same thing. They are both in your lineup as well. I think really the only guy from a fantasy perspective that we are monitoring to any degree as far as, you know, whether we are going to be starting him or not in the weeks to come is Irv Smith of the tight end position. Possible uh, that you can pivot to him if you are a Kelsey or Kittle owner, uh, you know, if you're in a deeper league. But I think there are some guys we will get to later that are better options for week one. Just somebody to keep an eye on as a possible streamer moving forward. Uh, do you have anything else on Cincinnati? They are a, they're a pretty easy team for fantasy. Yep, just to conserve some time, I agree with all you said about Cincinnati. So let's just jump over to the Cleveland side. Yeah, start Burrow, start Mixon, start Chase, start Higgins. Keep an eye on Herb Smith. Pretty easy stuff there. On the Brown side, we have a little bit more discussion here. Off the top, the quarterback, Deshaun Watson. Um, this has been kind of a polarizing guy all draft season. I feel like he has one of the widest range of outcomes out of all of the quarterbacks uh, for fantasy or that are relevant for fantasy. Uh, Cody, this is a pretty juicy total. He's at home. Uh, there's not really any, you know, matchup related reason to go away from Watson. I feel like, uh, if I was a Watson owner, I'm probably starting him because you drafted him to be your starter most likely, but, uh, I would almost rather pivot, uh, if I could, just because I, I prefer to just see the old Deshaun Watson back before I really trust it. How do you feel about Watson this week? Yeah, I, I'm 100% on the same page as you there. Um, where he was going in drafts, you had to take him to basically be your QB1. And unless you treated him like Anthony Richardson and turned around and got you know one of these three guys that we're going to talk about here real quick, I, I would just – I mean, I feel like you have to play him, but I, I did not draft him in any leagues. I really didn't feel too confident going into the season – um, again, you know, he may be a trade for candidate in a couple weeks if we start to see the old Deshaun Watson happen, but week one against a divisional rival, I just don't see him coming out here and tearing it up. I would pivot to all three of the options that you are going to list. And I, again, I just don't have extreme confidence in Watson week one. Yeah, I would as well here. I was going to uh, send you this list here and, and see where you lay uh, with Watson specifically, but it sounds like you have him at the end of it anyway. That's Deck Prescott at the Giants, Tua Tugavailoa at the Chargers, and then Kirk Cousins at home against the Bucks. Uh, I think I would take all three of those guys over Watson as well, but uh, I think I would also not drop a valuable bench piece to go get one of these guys if they were out on your wire. That's what I'd. So I'd, if Watson's your guy, I would just roll with him. Wouldn't draw, go dropping any, you know, nice bench piece. So you have nice bench running back, wide receiver, whatever, to go grab one of these guys. But if you did 
go with a double quarterback strategy and one of these guys is on your bench, uh, I'll pivot just for week one because uh, I would like to see it before I uh, you know, trust it completely. Yeah, 100%. I mean, worst case scenario, you throw Watson out there, he looks really bad. Hopefully you have a backup plan. Best case scenario, if you throw someone else out there and Watson looks really good, you got your QB for the rest of the season either way. Don't, you know, don't freak out over week one either way that that happens to go. So I think we're on the same page with Watson. I think he could turn... Now, he's not going to turn into the old Deshaun Watson because he's probably older, a little less athletic than he was fresh out of college, but he could still be a very valuable fantasy quarterback if he becomes 80, 90% of what he used to be. I just want to see him be 60% of what he used to be before I believe that those other steps are, are available for him. Yeah, the, the range of outcomes on Watson is just incredibly wide. I am uh, He is one of the most interesting players, I think, to watch in week one just to see if we can uh, you know, see any of the flashes of the old Watson or if he looks a lot like he did at the end of last year, which was uh, not very good. Uh, Nick Chubb, he is obviously in your lineup in this one. Amari Cooper, probably also a solid start. Um, I, I think he. the only reason you would question Cooper is – Basically the same reasons you would question Watson because he's the one throwing him the ball. But I think if you drafted Cooper in the fourth or fifth round, he's in your lineup. Let me just throw a couple names your way and see how you feel about him. Uh, how about Mike Williams uh, against the Dolphins or Amari Cooper? So these two are actually pretty close. I know I made a note in here before, but I went back and kind of looked at it just to kind of hopefully make a little bit of a better discussion of, out of this. I do think Mike Will probably has a higher upside just due to physical capabilities, but he also probably has the way lower floor uh, just being Mike Williams and, you know, the sample size we have from him so far. So I'd probably lean Cooper unless I'm just in a week one matchup that I need someone to go nuclear for me. And even in that sense, I mean, I'm probably, I'm probably Cooper over Mike Williams the entire way. Cause I do think that Cooper does have a high ceiling as well. If Deshaun Watson hits, it's just, again, I, I, I'm on the on the side to where I don't think Deshaun Watson's going to come out in week one and look amazing. So if you feel that way and, you're, and that scares you off of Cooper, I could see a pivot to Mike Williams. It's not going to ruin your week. But if you drafted Cooper where he was going at ADP, you felt pretty good, at, good about him unless he just fell crazy in your draft or something like that. So I'd probably just stick with Cooper if I drafted him. Yeah, I was trying to picture a, a world where, you know, you have a later round guy that might have risen in value uh, through, you know, whenever your draft was and now. Uh, so I figured Mike Williams could maybe fit that bill. He probably went a, a round or two later than Cooper. Yeah. But like you said, he doesn't really offer the high floor that would make you pivot off of Cooper in this situation. So I, I don't know if he's the best fit to replace him. I think they both have pretty high ceilings. They both have pretty low floors with, uh, you know, the questions about Watson. So I don't know if I would pivot to Williams for Cooper. I think that's a pretty pretty one-for-one one trade. But Cooper has probably the higher upside as far as target share is concerned. So I think I would stick with him as well. I had Jahan Dotson in here. Uh, that was mostly because I thought McLaurin wasn't going to play. With McLaurin in the lineup, I would assume you're leaving, leaning Cooper here. Yeah, but just, I mean, I feel like this situation is very, very similar. Obviously, in... in um Cleveland, you have a new wide receiver in Elijah Moore. You have other weapons like David Njoku who can maybe take away. In Washington, you have Terry McLaurin back. Apparently, Logan Thomas has looked amazing in practice these past couple of weeks. So I feel like both players are very similar. Question marks at quarterback. How good is Sam Howell? How good is Deshaun Watson in his current form? So honestly, it's crazy when we look at their ADP, how far off these two players were because Cooper was going way ahead of Dotson. But Rolling into week one, I mean, I, I don't have Dotson that much lower than Cooper. I would still go Cooper, but I think these players are a little bit closer than 
you know, a lot of other people would give them credit for. Yeah, I think from a talent perspective, I agree with you, but I feel like Dotson offers a lot of the same questions, especially with McLaurin back in the lineup that Cooper does. His quarterback, obviously, not nearly as proven, even as a, you know, even as a questionable Deshaun Watson with Sam Howell. So I think I'd lean Cooper uh, with a much higher over-under in this game as well and hope that ends up uh, panning out for me. But we'll see how it turns out. Hopefully Watson uh, looks somewhat like his old self if you have Amari Cooper shares or shares of Watson himself. Eli Moore, the other wide receiver, we're kind of interested here from the Browns' perspective. Uh, this one I am not going to recommend. I just uh, This is one of those guys you're just stashing and uh, waiting to see what his involvement is before you roll him out there. Uh, we're going to have a lot of guys that fit into this bucket, but in week one with the you know less injuries than or the least amount of injuries that we're going to have all year, hopefully, um, or well, not hopefully, but what is going to happen, uh, you, don't, you don't need to throw Eli Moore into the lineup, I don't think. Yeah, if we're not very confident on Amari Cooper, I'm not going to make a uh, very confident argument yeah. for Elijah Moore. So I'm right there with you. And Joku, if he's your starter, again, probably playing him at this point. It's week one. Uh, but I guess the only other guy that I could see having a chance to pivot to would be Tyler Higby. Would you make that move? Or would you, again, I think this is the same question as the Watson question. Uh, is it? Is it a big enough of a difference to drop Njoku and pick up Higby and start him? Or... Uh, drop a bench piece to pick up Higby and start him over in Joku and put him on your bench? Or would you be just sticking with David and Joku? I think I'm just sticking with David and Joku. I know Njoku wasn't like high draft capital for a tight end, but to kind of just reverse what I said for a tight end, you still had to take him, you know, in the middle, the middle yeah. back end of the draft. So you still had to spend some draft capital on him. I definitely would not draft or drop in Joku. And if it's any form of a valuable piece on your bench, I'm not dropping them for Higby. You know, like I, I mentioned this yesterday, if you're a kind of guy who drafted either two tight ends, two quarterbacks, two kickers, or something like that, and you can maybe replace Higby for Njoku in a full PPR by dropping one of those ancillary pieces, I would consider it. But I'm probably just avoiding all the headache and just going Njoku completely this, this weekend. Yeah, I think uh, I think I would slightly prefer Higby in a full PPR, but the point remains: uh, I'm not dropping Injoku to, to pick up Higby, and I probably am not dropping a bench piece just for the slight advantage that you know Higby theoretically gives you in this PPR league this week. So uh, I think you're just rolling with your guy most likely if uh, he was the tight end you picked to start, uh, and hoping for the best here. Hopefully, again, Deshaun Watson can show us something this week that uh, leads to positive things down the road. That is all we have for Cincinnati-Cleveland. Next game on the docket, Jacksonville and Indianapolis. The Jaguars are favored by five points on the road here. Over-under is a solid 45 points. My stat of the game, the Jags are 5-17 and 17 all-time in Indianapolis. Cody added to it nicely here. In their last 10, they are 1-9. and nine. So Trevor Lawrence hoping to reverse those trends a little bit moving forward here. Starting off with Trevor Lawrence on the Jacksonville side, if you drafted him to be your starter, no reason to pivot away from him in this matchup. Uh, again, Indianapolis, not the scariest defense in the world, not the easiest matchup, but if he's your starter, you're playing him uh, in a dome in Indianapolis should be a just, uh, just a fine atmosphere for him. Travis Etienne, same thing. Third or fourth round pick, he's in your lineup if you drafted him. Tank Bigsby. I think this one, again, another wait-and-see type of guy here. We'll be interested to see how this split works out. Is he really uh, just a goal-line guy? Is he actually being worked in on first and second downs? Uh, is he getting a series here and there? We'll be interesting to see how it plays out there with Tank Bigsby and Travis Etienne, but 
ETN's in your lineup. Bigsby is on your bench. Anything to add there? I'm just going to have a keen eye and see how involved Bigsby is. Um, I mean, I I snagged him up a couple times later in drafts, so I have a little bit of vested interest in how he is involved. So uh, make sure to check back on our our Monday podcast. I will let you know how much much Bigsby was involved in this game and if he's worth uh, (laughs) keeping around or maybe making a move for yeah, from a fantasy perspective, I think that is probably the most interesting storyline in this game uh, beyond Calvin Ridley, uh, and we'll just go ahead and move on to the wide receivers. Calvin Ridley, another guy, if you draft him in the third or fourth round, he's in your lineup. They'll be very interested to see what his role is and uh, how often he is targeted by Trevor Lawrence in this one, but there is no uh, starter sit question with him. He's definitely in there. Christian Kirk, maybe a little bit more borderline. I'd call him a low-end wide receiver, too. Uh, I have a couple names for you here, so I'll just throw them out there and see uh, where you land on Christian Kirk. Uh, We'll go Deontay Johnson. Uh, He is playing the San Francisco 49ers at home. Drake London plays the Carolina Panthers at home. And then the Washington guys we talked about earlier, uh, Terry McLaurin and Jahan Dotson versus the Arizona Cardinals. Can you rank Kirk for me in uh, a list of those guys? Yeah, absolutely. Um, So we'll start with who I'm probably going to have on the bottom, and that's going to be probably Terry McLaurin. And I'm not considering this talent-wise at all. This is just coming off a turf toe. I don't care if the team says you're healthy. Turf toe does not just go away completely like that. I mean, it's going to linger around for a while into the season, uh, hopefully not the entire season. So I'm going to put him at five. At four, I'm going to put Drake London. Um, I know a lot of people don't necessarily think the Panthers are going to be that good this season, but their defense was sneaky good last year. Uh, Their secondary isn't, you know, torturable like a lot of people would say just based on their overall record and – I mean, they had the they got the first overall pick, so I think that also just plays into people's mind thinking they were worse than they actually were. Um, so I'd go London at four. I would probably go Jahan Dotson at three, only because McLaurin's back. If McLaurin wasn't back, I'd go Dotson number one. Uh, but with McLaurin out there, I mean, he's just going to be – I mean, he's going to get some targets as long as he is out there on the field. Number two, I'm going to go Deontay Johnson. Um, I I actually really like Deontay Johnson quite a bit. My only concern is he's playing the San Francisco 49ers week one and Nick Bosa's back. So we are going to see yeah. how improved that Pittsburgh offensive line is right off the bat. Uh, but Pittsburgh's looked really good in the preseason. They look like they are ready to roll. And then number one, I'm going to go Christian Kirk, which I have not been super high on him all offseason, but I don't necessarily hate this matchup against Indianapolis. And I do think that, you know, what we mentioned previously is there's no real reason, especially in week one, to take a shot on an unknown when there's a guy like Kirk who is on the team he was last year with the quarterback he had last year in the same offensive system he had last year. So even though he may yeah. not have the upside that he once did because Calvin Ridley is now there, I do think he's a pretty safe wide receiver too, at least going into week one. I will say that that opinion is 100% up to change after week one. We'll see how Calvin Ridley and this offense plays, but Going into week one, I'll take the proven commodity and, and, and Christian Kirk over the rest of these guys. Yeah, I think, uh, like you said, proven commodity has continuity, uh, both with the offensive system and his quarterback uh, in back-to-back years here. So he's a little bit more trustworthy than some of these other guys we have talked about. I think especially early on in the year, you can count on him as a low-end wide receiver too. And he's not a guy that's going to goose you. He's going to get you know at least his four or five targets from the slot. Um, and it's it's a fine matchup, not necessarily plus, but uh, an over-under of 45 doesn't scare you off. Evan Ingram, last guy on the Jags I want to mention. Uh, I think I would just echo the uh, David Njoku conversation we just had. If he's the guy you drafted to start, you're going to start him. 
would I rather have Higby in a P- full PPR? Maybe by a hair, but not enough to drop a guy on my bench or Evan Ingram himself to, to go get him. So if Evan Ingram was the guy you drafted to start, he's in there. On the Indianapolis side, Anthony Richardson, uh, this is the one, another wait-and-see type of guy here. I'm not recommending week one. This is why we told you to draft a backup that has a high floor uh, to pair with Richardson because we are going to you know, want to see Anthony Richardson play a couple games here before we're really comfortable recommending him. Will be very fun to watch uh, just how this Indianapolis offense to, uh, chooses to deploy him, especially with no Jonathan Taylor, but I am keeping him on my bench for week one. Yep, absolutely. I, this podcast has been very consistent on if you draft Richardson, draft a safer guy to play in week one. So I'm not going to echo that point too much more. Let's jump into the running backs. Yeah, uh, Deion Jackson was named the starter, as we mentioned on our Thursday night football preview. Uh, I am hands off of the situation completely, especially if Zach Moss is active because he uh, he has uh, he's got he's been limited in the past couple days in practice. Don't expect him to play, but if he's out there, it muddies the situation even further. Deion Jackson really made his bones last year uh, catching the ball out of the backfield, which we don't expect to be as big of a part of this offense because of Richardson's running ability. So uh, I am completely hands-off of the Colts running back this week. Uh, are you in the same boat here? Yeah, this one's pretty simple for me. Um, for one, obviously, if Zach Moss comes back, that's just a huge hit to uh, Deion Jackson's value. But let's just say he's he's out for week one, like what's projected now. Um, you know, the Colts have already come out and said that they are just going to feed the hot hand, um, which just gives me even less confidence yeah. in Deion Jackson. Um, no, one note that you did have here was, is that Brees Hall or Deion Jackson? Is that who you meant? That was, yeah, I think I would go Hall, honestly, just for the upside, because I think Jackson, yeah. I don't even think he offers that much of a floor, to be mm-hmm. honest. So I, I think he could goose you as well. 100% would exactly what I was going to say. So even if you're considering <laughs> something like that, I like I know in a lot of my yeah. drafts that happened this past weekend, Deion Jackson was a guy that got added to a lot of people's benches, and they you know said potential week one starter. I hope I'm playing someone who plays Deion Jackson in week one. I will, I will yeah. set your lineup for you if you tell me you want to put Deion Jackson right. in there. So. Uh, that is my opinion on him. I just I don't have very much confidence on any Colts running back. Yeah, if you're carrying Deion Jackson on your roster, go drop him and add somebody with uh, more upside. We we gave you a few guys in our uh, Thursday night football preview show to to beat the waiver wire for week two. Go go grab one of those guys instead. Uh, Deion Jackson just does not have any sort of ceiling, in my opinion. The wide receiver room for the Colts, I think this is going to be uh, the same situation as Anthony Richardson. Uh, I guess Michael Pittman would be the only one you'd consider starting. He should have somewhat of a floor being the number one target in this offense. But before uh, you know, ever seeing Anthony Richardson hit the field on the NFL, uh, you know, on the NFL gridiron, I am not comfortable starting any of his pass catchers because he could legitimately complete you know 30, 40 percent of his passes. And I don't think anybody'd be shocked. So. This is another uh, another place where you probably didn't have to draft Pittman as a starter either. So I'm hoping you have better options. Bench him for week one and hope uh, there is some chemistry there. Yep, 100% agree with you. If you're starting either of those guys or you drafted them as starters, you didn't hear it on this podcast. There was about 35 mock drafts thrown up on the YouTube. I don't think I drafted Michael Pittman in a single one of them, and I gave plenty of reasons why uh, throughout. So Hopefully, uh, you can hit that subscribe button and avoid those kind of costly mistakes in your draft next year, but we're on the same page with the receivers. I, I'm going to have to see something out of Richardson before I feel comfortable playing either of those two guys. 
Houston at Baltimore is our next game. The Ravens are 10-point favorites at home. Over-under is 44, uh, which is fine, but that does not leave much on the bone for the Texans side of things here. My stat of the game, Baltimore is 9-2 all-time versus the Texans, 5-0 at home. Uh, and last year, I have a bonus stat here because I heard this uh, on a podcast I listened to earlier. I thought it was actually very relevant. Uh, so 2020 in 2022, from weeks 1 through 8, Baltimore allowed 4.4 yards per carry. In weeks 9 through 17, it was 3.6 yards per carry. Week 9, they traded for Roquan Smith. So he really made a very big difference for their run defense, something to consider for Damian Pierce. On the Houston side, I don't think we're, we're not considering C.J. Stroud in this first NFL start. If you are, good luck to you. Uh, but Damian Pierce, the line scares me a little bit. Being 10-point underdogs on the road does not generally lead to great things for the starting running back, especially one that relies more on carries than catches. But uh, I think he's probably still in the top 20, uh, maybe towards the back end of it. But I'm just going to throw a few names out here. Raheem Mostert, uh, Jamal Williams, or Damian Pierce, rank those three. Yep, I was just looking up Jamal Williams' uh, opponent this week. He plays the Tennessee Titans, who have had a pretty good run defense run going defense. in, at least yep. ending last season. You'd expect them to be pretty solid still. Um, yeah, I mean, I think I'm still going Damian Pierce at the one, but I do 100% understand your concerns. Mostert's a very close second for me. I, I think, and we'll get into that one here in just a couple of games, that is the second highest over-under on the week. So if you want to have confidence in your running back you know, getting in the end zone, I think Mostert's probably the guy to go to. But you know, there is a chance that Pierce is just the, the full you know, workhorse in Houston and just gets enough opportunity to be you know, fantasy relevant. So it'd be really close between Pierce and Mostert. I think I'm just going with the better player in my mind, which is Pierce. But what do you think out of these three? I think I'd go Mostert one, uh, Pierce two, Williams three, uh, but I think Pierce and Williams would be closer uh, at two and three than Mostert would be at one. Uh, again, Mostert gets a really good matchup against the Chargers in what should be a very high-scoring game. Pierce and the running attack could be irrelevant by the second or third quarter in this one, and that does scare me just a bit before I know how involved he's going to be down-to-down -down with Devin Singletary being there. Yeah, good so point. I think if you drafted Pierce – you're going to start him most likely, uh, but if you did you know, pick up Mostert or Jamal Williams in the later rounds, that's kind of why I included these guys. I felt like these were possible late-round stashes you could have uh, legitimately made with Pierce on your roster. I think uh, I would definitely consider making it with Williams. I would still stick with Pierce. If it was Mostert, I, uh, I think I would make the move. Gotcha. And then in the wide receiver room, again, it's C.J. Stroud's first career start. I don't think uh, we can trust any of these guys uh, to it. To, to be rolled out there in week one. Nico Collins, stash candidate. Uh, this is a guy that, again, we are just keeping our eye on. Uh, but if you are in a deeper league and you are, for some reason, making these uh, types of moves here, would you rather start Nico Collins or any Indianapolis wide receiver? For me, it'd be between Collins and Pittman. Um, yep. As weird as it may be, I may go Collins just because I do think C.J. Stroud was a much better passer in college. Not that that's going to immediately translate to the NFL, but like you said, there's a chance that Richardson has a 30 to 40% completion percentage, and I don't think Stroud will ever be that low in his NFL career. So I would go Nico Collins, but I'm not giving any vote of confidence to Nico Collins. That's just an, in this predicament, I would start him over the Indianapolis guys. 
I would go Collins as well. Uh, and then before, uh, I guess I'm not actually going to wait on this second one till we talk about the Baltimore wide receivers because I think there's a chance he is the most interesting wide receiver in this game with the unknowns on the other side. But uh, let's go ahead and just jump over to Baltimore here. Lamar Jackson's in your lineup against a Houston defense that was actually pretty good against fantasy quarterbacks last year, but that was just because they were very bad <laughs> against fantasy running backs. Um, so I think Lamar Jackson will be just fine in this one. J.K. Dobbins, as I just mentioned, Houston was uh, terrible against fantasy running backs last year. This is as juicy of a matchup as you can get for him. He is in your lineup as well. The wide receivers, uh, I think I am really trying to stay away if I can. I don't know how this snap share is going to work out. I don't know how much they're going to be necessary in the second half of this game. Uh, so as much as we are excited about Zay Flowers and Rashad Bateman, not as much Odell Beckham, uh, I think you are wait, playing wait and see here. Would you rather start any one of these guys or Nico Collins on the other side? I'm going to just say I'm going to go Nico Collins. And the reason the reason too. being is there's a chance Odell Beckham Jr. is really involved through these first couple of weeks, being the most the oldest wide receiver. I've, I've, you know, yeah. just all the factors that go into it. I just don't think he's going to stay healthy for an entire year, which is why I'm super high on Zay Flowers on a season long basis. But like, if you had, if you, you know gun to my head who am I starting out of this room it would be Odell Beckham just based on you know his veteran status in the in the room but I, w- I would avoid all of them and like you said I'd play Nico Collins over all the Baltimore guys as well yeah I uh, totally agree I am excited to see Zay Flowers though really like him as a prospect and I'm hoping that he gets to be a full-time player for the Ravens could be a very interesting piece uh, maybe towards the second half of the year for fantasy owners Mark Andrews, he's obviously in your lineup if he plays. Still dealing with that quad, though, so just monitor the injury. If it's still an issue heading into Sunday, I would go ahead and pick up Isaiah Likely. One of the few situations in the NFL where we have a true tight end handcuff here for the Ravens, so Likely will be out there. He's a very good receiver, and he will play basically all of Andrews' snaps if uh, Andrews is not able to go. So I would just go ahead and make that pivot if you end up having to, but it looks like he is going to be in there. For sure. All right, let's move on to the 49ers and the Steelers. Uh, This should be a very physical affair. San Francisco favored by two and a half points on the road, over under 41 points. Don't love that from a fantasy perspective. My stat of the game, the Steelers and 49ers have alternated wins and losses in every game since 1996. The last game was a 24-20 to San Francisco win in 2019. So you know what that means this week, Cody. That is a Pittsburgh win if that trend continues. I actually, when we get to our best bet show on Saturday, boys and girls, uh, this game will be featured very heavily. I'm considering both the line and the over-under. Uh, I Got burned on that last year when I made uh, I made Philly by four and the the under in the Detroit game, two of my picks and they both lost. So I, I'm a little gun shy there, but I really like both of them. I'll get to I'll get to that on the best bet show. But uh, starting out with San Francisco, I don't think any you know these auxiliary options were kind of going to be off of because both these defenses are so good. Brock Purdy, uh, not even in a two QB league, would I consider him? I think you have better options. Christian McCaffrey, obviously in your lineup, he was the number one overall pick for a reason. Debo Samuel, I think you drafted him probably a little too high to get away from him. I would just lower your expectations a little bit. I'd say he's a mid to low end wide receiver too with the matchup. Brandon Ayuk is where we get into the decision making here. Um, Again, hopefully this is a guy you drafted late enough that you don't have to start him. This is obviously not a matchup we want to target necessarily. If there is no Kittle, though, I become a little more interested. Uh, let's go ahead and throw some names out here and see how you feel about IU, Cody. 
Let's go. Brandon Ayuk, George Pickens on the other side of this very game. Brandon Cooks against the Giants. The Washington running backs, so you can throw Brian Robinson and Antonio Gibson in there. And then the Denver running backs, Samaj P. Ryan and... Uh, Oh my God, Javante Williams. Jesus, I just forgot his name for a second. But uh, just give me a, a quick. You don't have to go through all those names necessarily, but just where do you find Ayuk generally in that group? Of yeah, players? are we going to assume if this is with no Kittle playing in Week One? Let's say let's do okay. both. Let's do we do with then do with and do okay. With we'll that. start with with Kittle. Uh, so with Kittle, obviously Brandon Ayuk gets you know a couple notches lower. Um, sure. I'd still play him over George Pickens just because again you know you're yeah. you're trusting. Kenny Pickett to play, you know, with that defensive We're line coming at him. So not too high on Pickens mm-hmm. this week. Uh, Brandon Cooks is interesting. I don't know why I don't have this memorized. Who do the Cowboys play week one? The Giants. Giants. Oh, oh Sunday night football. They're Sunday yeah. night football. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I'm a little not not hot, not too cold on that one. That one probably feels very similar to this game for me, just with it being a divisional matchup. Uh, and then Washington running backs and Denver running backs. Man. Um, Man, I don't, I'm not even very high on Ayuk, and I think I'd go Ayuk over all these guys, even with Kittle. Um, so if really? you go without, I mean, the running backs for me, and we're going to get into Denver, I think, on this episode, and then obviously Washington on the next one. Denver running backs are just going to be so hard for me to know what to trust in week one. This is, again, just one of yeah. those situations. It's the same offense, same coordinator, same quarter. Well, yeah, same quarterback. Uh, with Purdy getting back out there, you're probably a little bit concerned to see what Purdy looks like coming off that elbow injury. You know, you definitely want to make sure he has that same zip that he had on his ball his rookie year. But yeah, yeah. just looking at these names, I probably just I would trust the big play of Brandon Ayuk over any of the other options. Um, again, the running backs probably get a little bit more difficult if you have a stronger feel on either of those guys. But I just going into week one, I want to see what those timeshares look like for any of these running back by committees we're looking at. Uh, no Kittle for me makes a big difference. I think um, I I play Cooks out of all of these guys. Uh, again, sort of just a, a veteran presence here that we can kind of know what to expect out of. Uh, but if there is Kittle in this game, I think I would take all the Washington and Denver running backs over Ayuk myself. I like both of their matchups. Uh, they're both at home. They're both favored. Uh, they're both uh, all four of those guys should get plenty of work. Uh, so I feel pretty comfortable at least, you know, not getting a zero out of those guys. Whereas I think IU could give you kind of a goose sort of game here. But if there's no Kittle, I'd probably take him right behind Cooks and then Pickens is at the bottom of the list no matter what. Uh, we will talk about Pittsburgh in a second here. But uh, we're a little bit different there on IU, but uh, Cody prefers him slightly more than I do, and uh, I'm a little lower on him. I think that's just generally true as well, to be honest. So could just be our personal biases uh, finding their way in here. But George Kittle... Uh, the last player on San Francisco we want to talk about here. I think he's in your lineup if he plays. Uh, you obviously drafted him to be your starter. Uh, this is another top five tight end that we're talking about being questionable going into week one. But uh, yeah, if he's if he's in the lineup, you're playing him. If he's not, uh, I would just just make make other plans because it, it does look like a true coin flip type of uh, type of deal here where we really don't know if he's going to play. Yep, I agree. Moving on to the Pittsburgh side, uh, Kenny Pickett, similar to Brock Purdy. I am not uh, not going this route. Maybe in a two-quarterback league if you're forced into it is what it is, but uh, I would not be excited to play him in this matchup. Najee Harris in the running back room. Uh, similar to Devo Samuel, I think you drafted him too high to consider pivoting off of him, but uh, I would just lower expectations against this San Francisco run D. 
Jalen Warren, I would uh, throw him in the Tank Bigsby, um, you know, Deontay Foreman, uh, Roshan Johnson bucket where it's a backup that we're kind of excited about. We think he can carve out a role, but at home against a really good defense before we know how he's going to be used, he is a wait-and-see guy uh, for me. Do you have any differing opinions on the running backs? No, I just want to make a point on Jalen Warren. He he reminds me a lot of uh, Tony Pollard in Den or Dallas. Um, and what I mean by that is, it seemed like everyone was just trying to call the Tony Pollard breakout year like a year too early. And I can kind mm-hmm. of see that being the same case in Pittsburgh. Like it looks like Jalen Warren's a better athlete than Najee Harris. Some could say that between Tony uh, Pollard and Zeke those last couple of years in Dallas, but. I just think the high, you know, high drafted running back it has a role on the team is going to be in that role for the majority of the season, and we may see Warren worked in. I'm just not super high on him on a season long basis. I do think the talent's there, and I think if he's still in this system next year, I think he could definitely push Najee out of it as he gets older. Uh, but going into this year, I think I'm I'm a lot of people are very high on what Jalen Warren could be, and I just I see it being a situation where Najee still gets the majority of the work, even though Jalen Warren may look better. Uh, with limited snaps like we saw from Pollard a couple of years in Dallas. Yeah, I totally hear you. I, I just really like what I've seen from Warren as a player. So I think I'm just trusting my eyes here. I see all of the, you know, Mike Tomlin does not really use running back by committee. He kind of has a guy and commits to him and uses him in most situations. So historical trends would suggest that Jalen Warren is going to be more of a bit player like you, uh, you like you mentioned there, but I, I just I really like what I've seen, and I don't really like what I've seen from Harris so far in his career. So I, I like him as a stash candidate, but we're definitely not considering him in week one. In the uh, wide receiver room here, Deontay Johnson, uh, another guy that we are probably lowering expectations on, but especially in full and happy PR, he's going to just have too many targets to sit. Uh, if it's non-PPR, I might legitimately try to pivot. But uh, in anything that rewards catches, I am keeping Deontay Johnson in my lineup most likely. I think I'd throw him you know, right below the Cooper range, but above the Christian Kirk, uh, let's see some other, Michael Pittman, you know, all those guys I'd play him above. Uh, so he's probably solidly in the low-end wide receiver two category this week. George Pickens I'm trying to avoid. We already laid it out uh you know when we talked about Brandon Ayuk he is pretty far down the the totem pole of guys I would consider so I am a wait and see on George Pickens yep I'm right there with you on George Pickens I think he was drafted probably too high in most fantasy drafts for what he's going to produce throughout the Mm -hmm. season um and then Deontay Johnson I echo basically what you said um Deontay Johnson's the kind of guy that I just want to put a anytime touchdown score on him every single game until he finally (laughs) does it yeah (laughs) Just because I want to be able to celebrate poor, with him when it guy. happens, so yeah. that would probably be my uh, my my best bet for this game would be Deontay Johnson anytime touchdown. Just because it would be so amazing if it happens week one of this season. But um, <laughs> as for fantasy, I, I echo what you say. I definitely start him in any kind of full and half, and if you have uh, any kind of better non PPR pivot option, I would look that way. Yeah, if your book allows for uh, a two-touchdown play on a single player, I think I might make that as well because, you know, just as soon as he gets one, they're going to they're gonna come in a bunch. It's not going to just be, you know, one touchdown. He's going to get a few. So, uh, yeah, Deontay definitely do for a couple scores early on in the year here. Pat Fryermuth, uh, I think, uh, again, I'm going to echo the conversations we had with Evan Ingram and David Njoku. If he's your guy, you're playing him. Uh, don't love the matchup. Might rather play a guy like Tyler Higby in a vacuum, but I'm not dropping him or a bench player to uh, make that switch. 
Yep, I am right there with you. I don't think there's too much more we got to say. So let's jump into our fifth game of the day. We got Miami at my, we got the Miami Dolphins at the Los Angeles Chargers. The Chargers are favored by three over under at 51. Like I mentioned earlier, this is the second highest over under of the week behind the Chiefs Lions game on Thursday night. So uh, Nick's stat of the game he has here for us here. Uh, is Miami leads the all time series 19 to 17 including four postseason games, and an RB had at least 99 rushing yards in 12 of 17 games last season against the Chargers. Um, on that second point, I think that just kind of proves how iffy of a head coach Brandon Staley is. If you are a, a coordinator or a head coach that is also a coordinator, I would expect that your side of the ball to be really, really good. So I think that uh, right. that is very concerning when you look at that as a Chargers fan just long term. Um, do you have anything to say about those stats? I feel like those are two pretty good stats you threw out there. Yeah, I will mention that one of the five games the Chargers did not allow a running back to run for 99 yards was against Raheem Mostert and the Miami nice. Dolphins, but uh, that was just kind of a bad game for that offense overall. I would not, again, I wouldn't be scared off by that. The over-under is 51 here. There's plenty of juice uh, in this game. I think you want pieces, and we'll we'll talk about them. Was that the, wasn't it the Chargers game also the game that like Tua played the second half and threw like four interceptions, and then it came out that he had a concussion, like, I think that was the Green Bay. Oh, it game. might be Green Bay. Wasn't I think it? you're right. Yeah, yeah. That was a little later. Trying to give year, Raheem Mostert was... a little more juice, but <laughs> <laughs> all right. Let's jump into we'll start on the Miami side because they are away. We'll start with quarterback Tua Tonga Viola. If you drafted him to start, you know, this is your dream matchup for week one. Really, I don't see any reason why you're not going to play him. I think he's a must start if you play drafted him. him. Yep. Absolutely. Uh running back Raheem Mostert will start here. Feels again like a must start, even though you probably drafted him to the end of your bench. Um, based on what you said about Mostert earlier, I feel pretty confident about what you'd say about these three guys. Would you play Khalil Herbert, Jamal Williams, or Brian Robinson over Raheem Mostert this week? I will take Mostert over all three of those, with the one exception being I would probably play Brian Robinson in non-PPR over Mostert. I like his outlook pretty uh, – I like his his outlook uh, against that Arizona team at home is pretty good. I think he should get uh, plenty of carries against a pretty bad defense. But uh, I will take Mostert for the upside over the other two. I think both of the other guys have concerns about volume and or matchup that uh, you know Mostert just kind of trumps them with. Uh, his expected really good matchup and lead role in this Dolphins offense. Yep, for for sure. I, I would also go Mostert over all of those guys. Um, in non-PPR, I can see the benefit of Robinson for sure, uh, especially because yeah. he will probably not be involved in the passing game uh, close to at all. Not there, as much. So. And then the other guy I just wanted to mention is Devon A-Chain. I don't think either of us are looking to play him, obviously, in week one. But with Wilson going on the IR, it does open up an early season opportunity for him. So I would just keep an eye on his involvement. Uh, he is a very small but very fast, speedy running back for the Dolphins. So may may fit into their high-octane offense. Um, I mean, Raheem Mostert's actually that kind of guy as well, just a little bit bigger. So I can definitely see him getting involved. Uh, anything on Devon A-Chain? Nope, stash him and uh, keep an eye on him in a week. Beautiful. Easy enough here. The wide receivers, Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle, they are in your starting lineup. And then the tight end yep. for the uh, Miami Dolphins is Durham Smythe. Mike Gusecki is with the New England Patriots now. So if you hit the waiver looking for your favorite uh, waiver wire tight end, he is not going to be a Dolphin this season. Um, and I don't think Durham Smythe's anyone to look out for, just a name in case you see him uh, start to become streamable. Yeah. 
Irv Smith category. Yeah, 100%. And then on the Chargers side, we'll keep it easy with both the quarterback and running back, Justin Herbert, Austin Eckler, in your lineups. Yep, yep. Also with the wide receivers, Mike Williams and Keenan Allen are most likely in your lineups unless you play in an extremely shallow league and you maybe have a better option than Mike Williams, but we don't have to go over those too many options here. Um, if you have any specific questions, start sick questions, comment on the Facebook page, shoot us a DM on social media. So we'll be more than happy to help you out. And then two other names I did want to throw out here while we were talking about the Chargers is Joshua Palmer and Quentin Johnston. Uh, pl- oh, sorry. Plenty of better. Uh, oh, my goodness. Can I talk? Plenty of other better week one options, but Palmer is listed and running as the third wide receiver on the depth chart. So for those who had extreme faith in Johnston and drafted him probably a little earlier than you should have, he's a stash for right now. He's an extremely talented player, should get worked in at some point, but no confidence playing him in week one. And then same thing with Joshua Palmer. With all of these offensive weapons being healthy, Palmer's maybe a a, a DFS player, something like that, if he gets in the end zone, maybe helps you out, but... Anything on Palmer or Johnston? No. Uh, Johnston and Palmer reminds me of the K.J. Osborne and uh, Jordan Addison situation in Minnesota. I think you can probably expect Palmer to play ahead of Johnston early in the year, but Johnston will most likely uh, you know, usurp him towards the end of the season. So if you drafted Johnston, don't be discouraged if he comes out and has one or two catches or doesn't play very much. I think that's what is to be expected early on in the year. For sure. And then last but not least, tight end Gerald Everett. Uh, There are definitely worse options, but hopefully you drafted someone you have more conviction in than Everett. But if you're the the Kelsey owner, if you're the Kittle owner, if if you're a Mark Andrews owner, but you don't get Isaiah Likely, this this offense and this over-under is right where you want to target your tight end position at. Um, Is there, I guess, would you stream, actually this might be a good question for me, would you play Gerald Everett over Greg Dulcich this week? I absolutely yeah. would, yes. And I think this is this is the guy I would go ahead and recommend. Go look for Gerald Everett if you have George Kittle. This is this is the pivot that I would make. He also plays at 3 o'clock, which gives you a little bit more time to uh, make sure your lineup gets set properly uh, as well. So you get that added benefit with Gerald Everett. But, yeah, this is the guy. That, like you said, good offense, high over-under. These are the types of streaming tight ends we want to target. If you have George Kittle or Mark Andrews, this is a very, very good option to pivot to. Absolutely. All right, let's go to game two here. Philadelphia at New England. Sorry, game six. Game two of me talking. (laughs) Philadelphia (laughs) at New England. Philadelphia is favored by four over under of 45. So again, not a a super low over under. I'm honestly surprised Philadelphia is not favored by more just based off of what we saw last year. They make its way onto the best bets, Colin. Yeah, I I don't blame you. Taking a uh, a road favorite is always risky, but this one's jumping out for sure. So um, yeah, four Eagles lead the all-time series seven to six, but they have lost four of the last five. I'm going to assume that one win has to be in the Super Bowl. Is that right? No, this is not including okay. the playoffs. Actually, uh, the one win was a random. Uh, they had. They, I, I don't know if you remember this game. It was a few years ago, but they had like three defensive touchdowns. It was wild. Like this was like a four and seven Eagles team that beat a ten and one Patriots team. The only reason I saw that is because I was looking up all these stats earlier. But um, yeah, they definitely uh, the Patriots have had the Eagles number, not the Super Bowl, notwithstanding the last you know fifteen or twenty years. These teams obviously don't play very often. Yeah, absolutely. All right, uh, let's start here with Philadelphia because they are the away team. We got quarterback Jalen Hurts. He is in your lineup, and actually, I'm going to knock out these yep. other ones as well: AJ Brown, Devontae Smith, and or Devonta yep. Smith, and then Dallas Goddard, all in your lineups based on where you drafted them. Mm-hmm. Let's have a quick discussion about the running backs. 
I listed, I listed them in depth chart order. DeAndre Swift is the number one on the depth chart. Rashad Penny, number two. Kenneth Gainwell, number three. Um, they are all later round guys, especially these past two weekends when we had some negative news come out about Swift and Penny over the past month. So hopefully you have some better options. Um, personally, I would say I would not recommend playing any of these three, especially week one in New England. Is there any vote of confidence you can give to these three guys? No, it's Swift if you're going to play anyone, but uh, basically all of the running back options that we have been talking about uh, in the you know flex category so far, I would play over these guys just because of the unknowns, the, the Denver guys, the Washington guys, Mostert, Jamal Williams, all those guys I would play over uh, DeAndre Swift or Rashad Penny. Yeah, if you play a Philadelphia running back, you are just really hoping they get in the end zone because I don't think you're rolling the dice. I don't think yep. anyone can have confidence that you are going to get anything um, workload wise that would give you confidence to play these guys. So yeah, I agree with. I need to see how these guys are deployed. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, let's go over to New England real quick. We got Mac Jones at quarterback. Even in two QB leagues, Mac shouldn't be an option, especially against the Eagles' defense. No, sir. Uh, running backs, Rolandre Stevenson is going to be in your lineup. And then let's have a quick talk mm-hmm. about Zeke. I did see another report that came out this week saying Zeke's involvement in the offense may surprise everyone. New England beat writers are expecting him to get most of the goal line work, which is exact quote from the article I was reading. I can't remember the reporter. I apologize. I will get better at that. But uh, they expect him to get, like I said, most of the goal line work, which if it's 75, 80%, that is a huge, huge hindrance to Rolandre Stevenson. Uh, if he is not getting in the end zone, it's a rough matchup. Is there any confidence in a Zeke touchdown this week in week one? Or again, is he kind of in that same category? You're playing all the other names above him. I would play all the other names above him. I think Zeke might be a guy that will become useful when buys and injuries hit us midseason. Uh, you know, anybody that is scoring touchdowns is going to be on our radar. But at this point, with the limited number of injuries and no buys, I don't think Zeke's in consideration for your lineup, especially before we know exactly how New England is going to use him. Absolutely. And then obviously, if you're not playing Mac Jones, you're not going to have that much confidence in the pass catchers, but just wanted to throw them out there. Juju Smith-Schuster and Devontae Parker, I guess, would be the two New England wide receivers you'd consider. Um, I think Kendrick Bourne would be the third, but we're not even going to go that deep. Uh, Sorry, one second. Yep. That's going to be great audio for the listeners. Sorry about that, guys. I didn't know my MacBook was disconnected, and I almost uh, got logged off. So, Uh, all right, (laughs) Juju, Devontae Parker, Mike Gusecki, Hunter Henry. Um, All these guys are no's for me. I mean, I am not a big fan of Mike Gusecki or Hunter Henry at the tight end position anyway, and this matchup just takes any kind of streaming capability away from those two guys. I did want to make a point on Juju Smith-Schuster because I do think he has a chance to be a a low-ceiling, high-floor guy, kind of a guy that helps you get through some bye weeks. But, again, Adam – Schefter reported that his knee could explode at any time, which <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know really what, what a means, report. Oh my goodness. Yeah, it's like technically anybody's <laughs> knee could explode at any time, but the fact that's what I thought. The fact that Schefter <laughs> felt so confident that he needed to uh to tweet that out was yeah. shocking to me. So I would be avoiding him. Yeah. That, and if you can include Juju maybe in a, a early season trade as just a throw in piece that gets you over the edge, I would do it instantly. I don't think he's gonna be an overly valuable fantasy asset the rest of the season. Yeah, I think uh, I'd be playing Juju over guys like Pickens and Ayuk in full PPR just because I think the target's uh, floor is going to be pretty high, especially in a game I expect the Patriots to be trailing. But, yeah, uh, we're not 
we're not looking Juju's way in basically any league that uh, is not, you know, three or four wide receivers deep for some reason. Absolutely. All right, let's get into the second-to-last game of this episode. We got the Las Vegas Raiders going against your Denver Broncos. Denver Broncos favored by four, over under 44. I feel like we have some pretty decent over-unders for week one. Um, a lot of them in the mid-40s, yeah. which isn't terrible for fantasy. I'd be betting the unders on a lot of yeah. these. Absolutely. Stat of the game presented provided by Nick. Las, Ve- Las Vegas leads the all-time series 71-54-2. And, and Las Vegas has won six straight and eight of nine. I would not have guessed that just based on, um, I would say, how tightly that the Broncos play the Chiefs and how loosely the Raiders play the Chiefs. It's very surprising that the Raiders dominate that. Uh, that series. Rough times for your boys. Yeah. Rough, rough times. Yeah, absolutely. Let's start on the <laughs> uh, on the Vegas side here. We got quarterback Jimmy Garoppolo. Maybe some two B two QB consideration just due to their weapons being so good. But if Denver's defense is eighty percent of what it was last year, it could be a really tough day for Jimmy G. So again, two QB consideration. But I'd still be a little bit worried even in that sense. Um, and then. Running back, I'll just knock out these two. Josh Jacobs, Devontae Adams, they are in your lineup without hesitation. And then a couple of guys we yep, may yep. want to just hit on, Jacoby Myers, Hunter Renfro. Both are just deep league dart throws this week. Um, again, especially against that Broncos defense, if they are 80 85% of what they were last year, which could be on the low end, they could be better than last year, you're not going to be very happy with either of those two wide receivers' production. And then Austin Hooper is just a no for me. Um, any any more confidence in Jimmy G or the ancillary options in this matchup? No, I think I throw Jimmy G in the low end QQB conversation just because we have a lot of guys like Brock Purdy, Kenny Pickett, and Mac Jones with tough matchups, as well as all of the first year quarterbacks making their literal first career starts. So I think Jimmy G will find his way into some uh, super flex lineups, but I would not have a ton of confidence in it. Myers and Renfro, you are just waiting and seeing. I actually, I like stashing Renfro in some leagues. I think people forget how good he was two years ago. Had some injury trouble last year, but I'm not trusting him in this matchup. Yeah, I'll never forget. I forgot. Oh, I do forget which like Hall of Fame wide receiver said this, but one of them did say Hunter Renfro was a top five wide receiver in the league just a year ago. That was a real quote from a a Hall of Fame wide receiver. So he is a very good route runner two years ago. Absolutely. Should not be lost in the shuffle. Especially with Jimmy G, mm-hmm. I don't expect him to throw the ball as deep as uh, Derek Carr did as consistently. So Hunter Renfro is definitely a guy to look out Good for. Point. Jacoby Myers as well in kind of that same sense. But if they're both there, I, it mm-hmm. kind of lowers the confidence of both those guys for me. Nailed Absolutely. It. All right, let's jump over to the Denver Broncos here. Uh, we got Russell Wilson. He's definitely a two-quarterback league option, especially against that Raiders defense. Low floor, probably a mid-ceiling to start the season in my eyes. We obviously hope that. For fantasy, we hope that Russ looks a lot better than he did last year, but I would still have a little bit of cause for concern going into week one. Um, but again, he's a two QB option, 100%. I would play him um, over any of the questionable quarterbacks that we've listed so far. Yeah, uh, definitely solid two QB league option at this point. Uh, we'll just have to wait and see how Russell looks this year with Sean Payton at the helm. But uh, against this Las Vegas Raiders defense, you could certainly do worse in Superflex. 100%. All right, let's jump into the running backs, Javante Williams and Samaje Pirine. I did have a little note in here. This is the first time when I was going through making my notes, I really had to take a second and just think about what I thought about these two guys. Uh, during the draft season, I was fine drafting Javante where he ended up at ADP. I was fine drafting Samaje where he ended up at ADP. I got a little bit of both guys on some different rosters. So, you know, I, I honestly don't mind this situation. I just 
want to see what it's going to look like before I have to play either of these two. Obviously, if you're in a super deep league, you may be forced to play one of them, probably Javante, just based on draft capital. But as the Denver Broncos fan, Nick, I want to hear your opinion on this running back situation. Um, my question at the bottom, I think I know your answer pretty easily now. You'd probably start Mostert over both of these guys. But ignoring that question, how do you feel about this running back situation going into week one? I will take Mostert over both of them. Uh, I do I do prefer to wait and see here for sure. Uh, like We've said that a lot, though. So you know, you're not going to be able to wait and see on all of these situations. I think if you're going to take a run at any of them, this is one I wouldn't mind targeting with the soft matchup, the home uh, aspect of it, the the team being favored, and the fact that Sean Payton uses his running backs a lot, uh, whether or not you know it's a it's a committee. I think you can expect at least ten touches for both these guys. I don't think they have you know zero floors at all here. I think you're going to get work for both of them. Uh, how much work that's going to be, I'm not positive, but I don't think either one of these guys are going to totally, you know, nuke your team. So if you have to put one of them into your lineup, I'll go Javante Williams and then P Ryan, uh, pretty, pretty much back to back. Don't have a great sense of how this committee is going to shake out. But again, I think both of these guys are going to get at least 10 touches in this game. I'd be pretty confident in that. And, uh, you know, 10 touches, that's, that's not going to be the worst floor out of, uh, you know, some of these other guys that we've talked about, like Jalen Warren, take Bigsby, you know, I, I would much rather play those guys or play these, uh, play these Denver guys over uh, the likes of those players. Yeah, absolutely. And when I was making my notes, I don't think I factored the Raiders into my notes enough because it's it's a very good matchup. So yeah, 10 plus opportunities for both these guys are definitely in the cards. Um, Honestly, I I want to see Javante Williams off that ACL injury before I really play him. It might be crazy. I'd probably play some Ajay P. Ryan over Javante Williams in week one just because – Especially if they build a lead, I could see them being like, "Hey, Javante, we're going to rest mm-hmm. you for this, you know, fourth quarter. Samaje, go out there and you know, do what we paid you to do. Make sure we don't re-injure Javante Williams." So, don't blame yeah, me at all. Absolutely, the wide receiver situation also just a little bit muddy here. Obviously, Jerry Judy is dealing with the injury. We have Corlin Sutton and then Marvin Mims. Uh, Sutton's probably the only guy that I would play this week, and I just feel super nasty recommending him to you guys. So I apologize about that, but. Someone has to catch some passes against this weak uh, Raiders secondary. So Corlin Sutton could be a week one winner for you, as scary as that is to say. Um, And then Judy, obviously, I mean, I think this week, even if he plays, I'm a little hesitant. But like you said, you can't be hesitant about everybody. you got to play some people. So I'd probably play him in the soft matchup if he was, you know, if it was him or a really low end guy. And then Marvin Mims is a hold and wait. Um, you know, if Judy doesn't play, he may be a deep league dart throw just based on the matchup. I don't love it, but it is an option for you out there, especially where you got him in drafts. Yeah, I don't I don't think I could recommend going limbs even in a deep league. Uh, it's his first career game, and like you said, it's just uh, that is a risky play for sure. Sutton, I think he finds himself slightly ahead of the Iuk Pickens, uh, Brandon Cooks tier, probably slightly below the... Uh, Mike Williams, Christian Kirk, uh, Amari Cooper tier. So he's probably right in the middle there. Even with Judy in the lineup, I would not expect him to play a full allotment of snaps. So I'd probably be trying to avoid him if I could. I would much rather start Sutton uh, if I had him and Judy on the same team for some reason. And uh, Judy would be pretty low on the pecking order of players we've talked about so far, even if he goes. I feel like re-injury risk would be really high there. And I feel like, uh, you know, Sean Payton's... Maybe not the best, uh, you know, the best guy in the world, but he's a pretty smart football coach. I don't think he's going to run Judy out there for a full allotment of snaps. It could be a, you know, two or three target day for Judy, if, even if he plays. 
Yeah, that makes sense. And then to wrap up the Broncos here, we got the tight end position, Greg Dulcich. And then Nick brought up a really good point that Adam Troutman has been getting a little bit of hype on our Thursday night football preview show. So um, obviously, you know, we already said we played Greg, or Gerald Everett over Greg Dulcich. I think that that kind of shows you where we are on these tight ends. Any other words you want to you want to anything else you have to say about the tight end situation in Denver? Yeah, I'd be waiting and seeing if there was any reason at all that I, you know, I unless I am totally barren on the waiver wire for tight ends, I am really trying to pivot all of Greg Dulcich if I can. So uh, he is a, if he's drafted to be your starter and you got to roll him out there, good luck to you. But I would pivot to basically any other of the, uh, the tight end streaming options we've already discussed. Absolutely. Cool. Let's wrap up this episode here. We're just over an hour, so we'll go through this last matchup pretty quickly. We got Buffalo. We got the Buffalo Bills at the New York Jets. Buffalo favored by two and a half. Again, another road favorite over under 46 and a half. Nothing to scare you off of there. Uh, Nick's stat of the game. Bills lead all-time series 68 to 57. And the Bills have won five of the last six. So definitely some favor on the Buffalo side of this. We will see if Aaron Rodgers can turn that around uh, for the Jets fans out there. So Mm -hmm. let's start on the Buffalo side. Josh Allen, you're playing him. yeah, sorry, James. Let's go to the running back, James Cook. I don't think he's a must-start player with the matchup against the uh, you know tough New York Jets defense, based off what we saw last year. But I'm, I'm pretty high on him all season long. I drafted him quite a bit, so I'm overall just high on James Cook. I would play him this week, even in the tougher matchup, um, just based on my opinion of him. And then in any kind of PPR league, his floor is much safer than. Um, you know, obviously in non PPR. So I I definitely play him in those formats. Any differing opinion there on cook? Are you a little lower on him this week? Uh, I think he'd be another guy I'd throw into the Samaje B Ryan, Samaje P Ryan and, uh, Javante Williams bucket where I would really like to see his uh, involvement first, but this, he was probably drafted a little too high, uh, to not be in your starting lineup. I'd put him slightly above those Denver guys, slightly above those Washington guys. So he is a, he's a fine start. If you have to put him in there, but uh, if you have a guy like Raheem Mostert that you picked up late in your draft, I wouldn't mind making that pivot. It is a tough matchup on the road, um, but again, like you said, he should catch some passes. If you got to play him, uh, I am I'm not worried about getting goosed by him. Yep, absolutely. And then the wide receiver room, you're playing Stefan Diggs, and let's let's take, make it take. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness, I cannot talk today. Let's take a quick second here for Gabe Davis. Um, you know, we know what he is at this point. At least going into this season, he's a boom bust flex option. I think he'll be okay if you need a huge week from a guy again, but you just know what he is. He can end up with one catch for 13 yards. He can end up with five catches for 125 and two touchdowns. It's a complete crab shoot, but it's a guy. It's another guy in the same offensive system with the same quarterback as last year. Hopefully, you know, if you are deciding between him and again, another guy that's new to a team or something like that, I would probably just lean Gabe Davis for those, those simple factors. And, uh, Especially in what could be a tough game against the Jets, I could just see Josh Allen go into the guys that he trusts and he knows, uh, which leads me into this last guy I want to go ahead and group in because he may be playing a little more wide receiver than people give him credit for. That's tight end Dalton Kincaid. Um, he's going to be a guy I think everybody in the fantasy community is watching extremely closely. I will personally say oh, yeah. I drafted him more than a person who considers themselves a fan- fantasy analyst should draft a rookie tight end. But my buddy Nick got me with a nice little point, and he might just be playing some a lot of slight re- slot wide receiver for the Buffalo Bills this yeah, year. So be. if that is the case, mm-hmm. you get to put a slot wide receiver in your tight end position, especially one as talented as Kincaid. That's a huge W. So he's a guy that 
probably got drafted just based off all the offseason hype and his dra- and his real NFL uh, draft spot. But if he's out there, he's definitely a guy I would stash because he, we may see him running with the wide receivers more than we're expecting. Yeah, uh, I like Kincaid long term. Uh, this is not a guy we're recommending week one. I'd rather start uh, a Gerald Everett, some you know streamer streamer category guys uh, that we've already talked about. I'd probably put most of them over Dalton Kincaid, uh, even though he has you know interesting upside moving forward. But I just want to see what uh, his involvement is in this offense, how he's deployed, what his snap share is. Uh, very interested to see that. But week one, I'm not playing. All righty, let's move over to the New York Jets and wrap up part one here. We got quarterback Aaron Rodgers. Don't love the matchup, but there's a strong contingency of Aaron Rodgers supporters out there that will be playing him in week one. My advice is don't. He wasn't good for fantasy football last year. It's a new situation, new receivers, new offensive. Well, I guess maybe not a new offensive coordinator because he's re-teaming back up with Hackett. But, um, you know, I'd rather have played Jared Goff on Thursday, which I already know is too late by the time you're listening to this. I'd play Geno over him. I'd play Daniel Jones against Dallas over him. And I'd play Kirk Cousins over him. So, I know that Aaron Rodgers just has the support level where if you drafted him, you're playing him because you're an Aaron Rodgers fan. But if you're listening to this podcast for fantasy football, he is not as great as the Aaron Rodgers supporters would make you think that he is. So I would avoid him this week, especially in a tough matchup. Yeah, I had played most of these other streamers you mentioned over him as well. Uh, tough matchup at home, and he doesn't have a terribly high ceiling, doesn't run, obviously. And uh, if the Jets are smart, they're not going to ask him to drop back and throw it 40 times. Yep. Uh, running back room, Dalvin Cook and Brees Hall. Both of these guys make my head hurt when I'm thinking who I should play and in what situation. Ugh. So this is going to be an interesting yeah. uh, conversation real quick. Obviously, as we have said a million times, if I can avoid them for the first week, I will because I want to see how the situation plays out. If I'm forced to play one early, it's going to be Dalvin Cook just with Brees Hall coming off of the ACL injury. I want to get the running back that's more relatively healthy and not off a major injury in Cook, but... I think, I think there was a report that came out Cook might be on a snap count for the majority of the season, just trying to keep him healthy for a postseason push. So I don't know. any Anything you could say about these running backs that maybe give the listeners any more confidence or enough confidence to just take them out of their lineup? In week one, I would be pivoting to a lot of the running backs we've already talked about, the Washington guys, the Denver guys, uh, Raheem Mostert. Um, you know, they'd, they'd be, both of these guys would find themselves in the thirties. If I had weekly rankings, um, I probably play both of them above, uh, a Deandre Swift, but that's not a huge bar to clear for me. So I'd be trying to avoid them if I can, for sure, even more so than some of these other ambiguous situations. Yep. And then the wide receiver room, Garrett Wilson is a lock in your lineup. And then we do have a combination of other guys with McCole Hardman, Randall Cobb, and Alan Lazard. I don't think I'm playing any of these guys behind Wilson. Um, I think that, like I mentioned in yesterday's podcast, McCall Hardman is someone that interests me just to base to see what, uh, just excited to see what he does in this offense and how involved he is. Uh, but Randall Cobb's old and getting older. Alan Lazard is already injured and will probably already be injured again. So I'm not really looking to start anyone after Garrett Wilson. Yeah, start Wilson. Uh, Hardman's an interesting stash if you um, you know if you want to make it. But other than that, uh, that's that we're not looking anywhere else in this wide receiver. Absolutely. And then last but not least, to wrap it up, I just want to mention Tyler Conklin, another guy who may be relevant at some point this season. But hopefully, you drafted someone you feel better than Tyler Conklin to start the season with. So just a name, but keep an eye out. There's not a lot of great pass catching options in the, with the New York Jets. And if Rodgers is going to be as good as some people are projecting he will be, then Conklin's probably going to be fantasy relevant at some point this season. 
Yeah, Rodgers has been a guy that's always uh, targeted a tight end somewhere or another in his offense. So I think Conklin could definitely find himself into the streaming category. But yeah, week one, you should have better options. Uh, but this is a guy we'll be looking at in bye weeks come, I imagine. Absolutely. All right, check out uh, part two. We'll be dropping the same day as part one. We're just going to cut them up so they're a little bit easier to listen to. Like, comment, subscribe, all the good stuff. Peace out, everybody. All right, Brody. Um, 